The Hypertrophic Cardiomyopathy Association takes this time to thank our 2023 corporate sponsors. Bristol Myers Squibb, Cytokinetics, BioMarin, Tanaya Therapeutics, Edgewise Therapeutics, and Embrya. And thank you to our 2023 annual patient meeting sponsors. Bristol Myers Squibb, BioMarin, Boston Scientific, Cytokinetics, Tanaya Therapeutics, Edgewise Therapeutics, Rocket Pharmaceuticals, and Alnylam Pharmaceuticals, with additional funding provided by the J.T. Babbitt Foundation. Good morning, everybody. It is August 4th, 2023, and this is Tales from the Heart, a podcast from the Hypertrophic Cardiomyopathy Association. And for those of you who are watching the live broadcast today, this is a new platform, and this new platform, okay, I'm seeing people populate, which means the new platform is working. We are simultaneously streaming on Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube, and Twitter. So no matter where you're picking us up, in this new format, you can drop questions at any time, and we should be able to see them all here on this platform. So this is our first StreamYard podcast. So let's see how this software works for us. Today, I am joined by the newly inducted chair of the HCMA's Elizabeth T. McNamee Legislative Advocacy Committee, Rosemary Conlin, and committee member Scott Barakis. And today we're going to be talking about some of the legislative initiatives of the HCMA and kind of bring everybody up to speed on what's going on. Before we begin our conversation on the topic of the day, I have a couple of announcements, one or two of which are kind of important. Number one, we want to thank the sponsors of Tales, of the, excuse me, Tales from the Heart for their uh, funding opportunities and for being here to help us spread awareness about HCM, not just the clinical aspects of the disease, but life with HCM. So thanks to um, all of our sponsors, they will be, uh, they're always listed on our website, but uh, they include Bristol-Myers Squibb, Cytokinetics, Tanaya Therapeutics, Embrya Pharmaceutical, BioMarin, and, 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 oh my goodness, I'm forgetting our newest one. Um, it'll come to me in just a few minutes. Um, it'll come to me in just a few minutes. And I will thank them personally when it does come to my brain. I didn't take my notes with me today. Announcement about the annual meeting. It, it will be October 21st. Registration is open and I have fantastic news for all of you. Because we've had such a good run of getting sponsors for our meeting this year, we are going to be cutting the price for the next two weeks to $99 per person for admission into the day part of the meeting. The price change will take effect in the next couple of hours on our website. We're working on that right now. And for those of you who are traveling from a distance, we have our partnership with Angel Flight that may be able to assist with flights to come into New Jersey to attend the meeting. There will not be a hybrid version. It costs twice as much to do the hybrid on top of the in-person meeting. So this will be strictly an in-person meeting and we're doing a lot to make it accessible to everybody. The price is low. We're gonna feed you all day. We're gonna educate you all day. We're gonna give you lots of opportunities to learn about HCM and how you can get involved in the community and what's coming down the pike in terms of therapeutic options. So we hope that you will 
come and join us on October 21st. Next, it's a call out to anybody who was a participant about six and a half, seven years ago in the Gilead Eleclazine Liberty HCM trial, or if you know anybody who was in the other arms of the trial, which would have included those with long QT syndrome, and those with low ejection fraction heart failure. There has been a safety signal in women who participated in this study. There is a potential uterine cancer risk and screening is necessary. Unfortunately, Gilead has not been very good at communicating about this. I was a participant in this study and I'm just finding out about it now even though they've known about it for over a year. If you have been in the Eleclazine trial, the trial concluded in October of 2016. It was closed, the drug never went to market. So the only way you would have gotten it is if you were in the clinical trial. If you were in that clinical trial, please call the HCMA office at 973-983-7429 and we will help you get in touch with the right parties to make sure you're having proper surveillance and you know exactly what the risks are. We will be loading some information on the HCMA website in the next day or so, so you can also find it there. This is why legislative advocacy is so important because regulatory language in areas such as clinical trials helps keep patients safe and helps keep discovery coming. I'm not angry about being notified about a risk. I'm angry about the delay to notification of potential risk. And I will be dealing with Gilead directly on that one. And I'm looking forward to them calling me back soon. As soon as I get more information, y'all, I'll get it too. So I am going to welcome to the big screen here, Scott and Rosemary. And I just want to say welcome aboard into your new position as chair of the committee. We know the former chair started off well and gave us a really good foundation to work from, and Bill Orr is still very involved in the work, but you're now administratively in charge of the committee. So welcome aboard to your new position. Thank you so much. Can you talk a little bit globally about some of the work of the committee and how the committee is currently structured? We're really excited about uh, the initiative because our goal is to try to find the children who are at risk, that are being missed. I'm from the state of New York, and just a few weeks ago, another young man went down during football practice, and he was not resuscitated. He did die. Our goal is to find these children when they're young, and we're going to move state by state to enact legislation to find them. And in addition to that, we're also going to ask the states to require the clinicians to really educate themselves about HCM on some type of predetermined time period when they re, they re-up their licenses, again, so that they will more readily recognize symptoms when they see them. So the legisl- we're lucky with the legislative committee, we have individuals like Scott, who's here, who bring a wealth of knowledge about the legislative process to help us. We have a very well-researched approach to what our solutions to the problem of the undiagnosed are. And what we're looking here to do is create systems that are reproducible, that are structured, that have the highest likelihood of long-term survival as a program. We can do that legislatively by ensuring that all children who are getting a well-child examination are also having their hearts evaluated at the same time. Currently, well-child exams don't include any cardiac components. So we're looking for a very small change in practice that'll have a very large impact at a very low budget. So we've kind of found that sweet spot where there's an interaction with the healthcare community that we can enhance, not add, not 
not put more burden on the system, but we can add to what's already existing and create a sustainable model, as well as review other regulatory language or things that come up in state and federal legislation. Many of you may be unaware that there has been some turmoil in another area in our federal government, and that is the organ procurement system. And just last week, a piece of legislation was signed. It's awaiting the president's signature to completely overhaul the U.S. organ transplant system and really put UNOS out there that people can compete against UNOS now. And they have to improve their systems. They have to modernize so that we have more access to organs. And we'll be commenting on that as, as uh, these new changes take place and as new players come into the, to the field in that space. So it's it's not a one-trick pony. There's lots of things that we have to be focusing on, but our primary objective right now is the Healthy Cardiac Monitoring Act. Scott, welcome, and can you tell us a little bit about who you are and why you chose to be on the committee? Thank you, Lisa. So I'm Scott Brookes. I live in Florida, South Florida, Fort Lauderdale area. I have been in government now for almost 17 years. Started as a legislative assistant in the state of Florida legislature, and then went down to a county commissioner slash mayor chief of staff. And now I work as manager of government relations for a county property appraiser. I joined the committee because about 12 years ago, I was diagnosed with HCM. And then a couple of years ago, my cardiologist all of a sudden gave it a sense of urgency that wasn't there when he first diagnosed me. You know, I just feel like because of my background, to me, I should get active. It, it's scary to get diagnosed with something that literally you could be dead tomorrow. So to me, getting active and learning and also hopefully saving someone else's life, a kid's life, it, it that's that's something that you can't, that's the best feeling in the world. And the committee from Rosemary to the past president Billiard, to Lisa, to Julie, they're more the beyond welcoming. They're wealth of knowledge. You you become friends with them. Yes, it's via Zoom and but you do become friends with these people and you know they're always willing to pick up the phone. And I I, I for one have registered for the October ball as well as the day. And I urge everyone to do it. And I also urge everyone to get involved in this committee. It's an amazing committee and we are gonna do such good. I know Rosemary and Lisa spoke about it. It just changes a great thing. And especially if it's gonna affect you and it could affect your family, family, there's nothing better to do. Thank you for that. And thank you for your service to the committee. We really appreciate it. What we're going to be doing in terms of, you know, how do we eat this elephant one bite at a time? It's a big country. There's a lot of states and there's a lot of various issues in each state that require local knowledge. So we are now seeking state working group type representatives. You don't have to commit to committee meetings every month if you're gonna be in a working group, but you will commit to your state's working group. You will have a you will have a representative from the committee there to help you. There will be training material. We have our new online report card that is only in beta right now. It should be ready within a week. And we are going to make sure that everybody who is interested in being a state representative for the project 
has access to the online report card. We'll have printout versions available. We'll provide training about the statistics. We're not just looking for hypertrophic cardiomyopathy in this piece of legislation. We are seeking to have states require the same questions that are asked of a pre-participation screening physical exam for student athletes. We take that same screening and we put it in place for all children. I wanna just take a moment as to why that is the place that we as a committee and our medical advisors and everybody said, yes, this is the right place to go. Of those who die suddenly and unexpectedly from HCM, we all hear student athletes. So we have all these student athlete stories out there and yes, they're very important. We don't want anybody to be undiagnosed or at risk of cardiac arrest. But when you look at the data, of all of those who die from sudden cardiac arrest during competitive athletics versus all children under the age of 24, there's a reason for that cutoff line. It's just a statistical data collection from the government of how they organize the data. If you look at those numbers, 80% of those who die from HCM under the age of 24 are not athletes, not athletes. So why would we continue to lean into the myth that this is an athlete's problem? This is a human problem. If you have a heart, you have a one in 250 chance of having HCM. If you have a heart, you have about a one in 2000 chance of having something called long QT syndrome. If you have a heart, you have a potential of having a congenital abnormality at birth. If you have a heart, you have a family history potential of heart disease. We want to identify all people who have hearts, which pretty much includes us all, and we want to make sure we're looking at the family heart health history and identifying those who have risk factors that need to be referred to cardiology for additional workup. It is simple. It will not only find the child, it will also find the other family members, maybe a parent, maybe an aunt, an uncle, a grandparent, a cousin. We, don't, we want to find families and we want to keep them whole. From some of us who have had families broken by HCM, we know how important it is to keep families whole. I learned this morning of the passing of a young man. I don't know what exactly happened yet, but his sister had also passed about 10 years ago at about maybe 19 or 20 years old. And mom posted today that she's lost another child. Um, I don't know what happened, but we can do our very, very best to protect as many as possible from the consequences of HCM. But to do that, you have to identify them first. If you identify them, you got to get them into the proper screening and the proper management strategies, regardless of whether it's HCM, long QT, a channelopathy, some dilated cardiomyopathy, whatever the family history is, we have to get them in the right care model. And the work of this committee is going to help identify those people in a strategic, simple, affordable and sustainable manner. Rosemary, why do you think, what is your passion here? Why do you think this work is so critically important? Well, it's easy. If you know me, you know the way we found out about HCM in our family was because I had sudden cardiac death, but I was lucky. I was able to get to a hospital in time to be revived. Unfortunately, I do have two cousins and each of them has lost a young man to HCM. And my goal is to, as you just were saying, speak so eloquently, is to try to prevent any anybody from losing a loved one to any kind of cardiac issue. 
if there's a way we can do it, and it, it, it's such a simple, it's not a difficult process. It's a few, a few hours every month you know, to pursue the, you know, the legislation volunteer positions. And so I'm sure there are a lot of other people out there who would like to see the same thing happen. Let's prevent it. So I'm going to ask Ross to drop some uh, links in our social media feed, see if this stream yard thing works. If you're interested in becoming a volunteer or a state representative to the legislative committee, Um, You can sign up as a volunteer to the HCMA and we will be getting in contact with all of you and seeing which states you want to take a lead on. Some people may want to partner before they move forward and we'll be happy to coordinate teams within a state. We're going to provide you with training. We're going to provide you with support. We've been working on the underpinning of this legislation since 2020. We have been working on the language. We have vetted it through not only our internal medical review, we've also vetted it through the American Heart Association who has given us their support of this piece of legislation. We have also spoken to the members of the American College of Cardiology and they are in support as well. We don't have it in writing yet, but we're getting there. And we have a lot of key opinion leaders in the field of cardiovascular health that agree that this systemic approach is the right one to help identify the undiagnosed. We have a long report on this. It's about 350 pages. If you're really bored one night and want to read it, we're happy to show you where it is on our website. Then we have a shorter version of that report, which is only about 170 pages. And then we have like a five page. So if you want to understand the whys, we are being incredibly transparent in, in how we have arrived at this approach. And I know that not everybody will agree that this is where the approach should end. And we agree that there's probably more to be done after this step, but we have to start with getting things organized. Our report card will report on AED placement in states, CPR training and regulations, Good Samaritan coverage. The report card will also cover all of the aspects of the Healthy Cardiac Monitoring Act. We don't have to pass the legislation under the name Healthy Cardiac Monitoring Act. We might be altering language of an existing piece of legislation in your state because maybe they have four pieces of eight and we can just add to that existing legislation and make amendments. So it doesn't have to be from the ground up. It could be just adding on features to make the legislation more robust. So um, Scott, what are the tricks to getting a state legislator to listen to you? Be present, be active. They all, from your state representatives to your state senators, they have town hall meetings. They're in the community. Go to the town hall meetings, get to know them. Even more importantly, get to know their staff. Their staff is the gateway to almost any piece of legislation that you're looking to follow and understand, or in our case, to get passed. Be nice to staff. They have hundreds of people coming to them on a daily basis. Just be nice, be courteous. Um, And again, you know, you can set up meetings in their district office. You don't have to go to Albany if you're in New York or to Tallahassee in Florida, you can go to their district office in your in your community and meet with them. 
and provide them that information. And you'll be surprised. They, they will listen. And depending on, you know, what they feel, they very possibly will sponsor that piece of legislation. Or maybe they know someone who's a better sponsor, who might have a medical background, who can explain it better, and they'll pass that along. That's my biggest piece of advice is be present with your electeds. If you have any questions for us, you can please um, you know, drop those in the comment boxes below and we will be able to address them like right here, right now, because we've got five platforms going simultaneously, which is really, really cool. And if you send us likes or hearts, we can also see that through here. That's always always fun. Before you move on, I just wanted to mention that uh, one of the advantages with the volunteer program is that so much of this can be done at your convenience. If you're, you know, obviously you're you're working, you're professional, you have a lot of time demands there, but the bulk of this will be, you can be accomplished, as we said, evenings, weekends, you know, you may have to take time, as Scott mentioned, maybe to Zoom with or speak on a phone with a legislative aide during the daytime, but those are going to be very short calls, trust me, because they want to move on to their next activity, just like you two at work. Just to follow up with Rosemary, those meetings that you're going to have with their staff and the state representative or state senator are 15 and at most 30 minutes. You're not going to get much more time. They have busy schedules. So you, you're done in 15, 20 minutes, and you can possibly make a huge difference in someone's life, family's life. I couldn't agree more. I would also add that when we're, we're looking to engage with state legislators. We have an ability through a, a system that we have here at the HCMA. It's a software called UJOIN. You're going to be able to click one little button and you can share your story with your state legislator. You can put a video on it. You can send them a long personal story, but we recommend to keep it to a paragraph or two so that they have time to read it. But you can actually share your own story. And I think that's the most important part of trying to move legislation, we're not trying to mandate how anybody manages their disease. That's up to the individual to make those choices. But to know that there's a disease present that you need to pay attention to, and that it could have catastrophic effects on your family if you don't know that it's there. This is the critical point, right? We're not, not everybody's gonna make the same treatment decisions. Not everybody needs a lot of therapy. Some people may need some surveillance and some people may need implantable defibrillators. Some people may need surgery. Some people may need drugs. Some people may need up to a heart transplant like me, but that's really rare. Most people can be managed with their HCM if they know that they have it and that they have mitigated their risks. So we want to make it compatible with a normal lifespan, but we have to get to diagnosis first. And if we can find a child who has a family who is at risk, We've just opened the door to make a difference to that entire family, every generation, every member. And from that point forward, we can watch that family more closely. So it's really exciting work that we're doing. I'm I'm really proud of the work of this committee. And I'm really excited to see us start to move forward on how we're going to all live in a world where our children's hearts are screened as much as their back or their feet or their eyes or their teeth. Your heart's kind of important. 
And last I checked, we all do have one. What other factors do you think are going to be important for a state representative or a state advocate on behalf of the HCMA? Rosemary, give me two traits that this person should have. I think the person needs to be pleasantly persistent because we are going to have to be persistent to find a person in in the legislature who will agree to sponsor the bill. And then we have to still keep pleasantly monitoring their progress with that. So I think that that's going to be number one. And I think Scott referred to what he considers very important is professionalism. You know, being professional when interfacing with these legislative representatives and their staff. Completely agree. Scott, what do you think are some traits that these people should have? Motivation and dedication, I think, are two. For me, having HCM is a huge motivation because I have a 14 and a 12 year old and they're both at that age where they're both, my son's wrestling, my daughter's playing tennis. Last year, because I knew I had HCM, I went above and beyond just the physical that they required. I went and brought them to a cardiologist, had an EKG, had an echo done on them to make sure that they weren't at risk. But if I didn't have it, I wouldn't, be able to do that. So that motivation is going to make me want to do more and make sure that people stay alert to their heart and, you know, follow through. So motivation and then that motivation creates dedication. And again, going back to Rosemary, persistence. I've seen legislation take 10 years to pass, but that persistence of continuously having it filed, it made it to where they wanted it to be. We're hoping we can move things a bit faster than 10 years. Of course. Um, I'm I'm persistent, I'm patient, but damn, I want to get this done. Um, I want to take a minute to talk about some terms a little bit differently because somebody might be listening to this and they might think, I hate politics, I don't want to get involved. And I want to talk very bluntly about definitions of words. I believe our state governments are there for governance, not playing politics. And there are some things that can come from good governance that it doesn't matter what party you belong to. It's not about right, left, center. This is about families. And this is about the ability for the state governments to put into action a framework that will allow families to be asked questions about their family heart health history to share with their chosen health care provider to help identify next paths forward. This is not a political issue. It is a matter of public health and governance. And we should all be trying to work with our infrastructure, our governance, to make sure it's working for us, the people, those who have other needs, such as undiagnosed conditions, we need to make sure that they are found so that they can be productive members of society and we can help them get the treatment that they need and we can keep families whole. That is the goal here. The work that we've done, you know, New Jersey did this and we passed this into law. It looks a little different than 
the final package of the Healthy Cardiac Monitoring Act, and we need to maybe tweak New Jersey a little bit, but we've been asking these questions in well-child exams here in New Jersey since 2015-16. And everybody's used to the questions now, and we're finding better surveillance. We're finding people who know, oh yeah, I, did, I do have a family history of that. Maybe I should go get checked. And people are getting checked better. I will tell you that when this law first passed, the pediatric cardiology community kind of looked at me and said, what are you trying to kill us? Trying to make us so busy? And they were worried that there was gonna be this big influx of patients. There wasn't, but the patient selection was better. And people that were sent to cardiology were done for a purpose and it was a clean referral and they were either cleared or diagnosed and managed. And we had that opportunity. So it works here in New Jersey. I know every state is gonna have a slightly different approach to how they put this into place. But I assure you, it is critically important that we take care of our children's hearts early and protect them from risk. So please don't think, Ugh, politics, I don't want to get involved. It's governance and it's your family's health that we're trying to protect in a systematic, cost-effective, scientific manner. That's, that's kind of the, the, the good news, people. We are moving to a day where hopefully our state legislators will understand genetic heart disease and help families get access to care. And then hopefully we can start taking on other battles so our payer systems will not be burdensome to get us through to the care that we need. So that will be the next battle and that'll take a, a slightly different approach. What else do we want people to know about the act and the committee? Rosemary, any other thoughts? Well, we need you. We need as many people as we can get. We will support you. There are a lot of us that will be in the background. There's tremendous amount of information available at HCMA that you will be able to forward on to legislative aides, the legislative representatives themselves to make life easy. But we just need you and your passion, as Scott mentioned. So early testing has become such an important fact in our family, and I think that's a critical point. This isn't just something that is a pain in the neck to be asked in a doctor's appointment. These questions are pivotal to a family being able to get the right information imparted to their healthcare provider. We don't wanna make it harder for healthcare providers to find us, we wanna make it easier. So if they have the right questions and we provide answers, then we can take action. It's not gonna catch 100%, but right now we're not even catching maybe 10%. So we need to raise that mark to 80%. And if there's a family heart health history, that's a really good indicator. If there's signs, if there's symptoms, if there's a murmur, if there is anxiety and a murmur, if there's athletically induced asthma and a murmur, if there's athletically induced asthma and a family history of heart disease, there's all these connection points that community physicians aren't putting together yet because they're not thinking HCM. We also have something called the HCM Academy to help train medical professionals on all aspects of HCM. So if you are a medical professional, please join us in HCM Academy. We can teach more about the subtle signs of HCM so you can help diagnose patients faster. If you're a family uh, and you wanna get screened, talk to your doctor about your family heart health history and get the right screening for you. It may not be an echo, it may be an MRI, it may be a CT scan, it may be just an EKG. So it's not one test is gonna solve all problems. We are looking for structural and electrical heart disease. So we need to make sure that they're being asked the right questions. Scott, in your evaluation of your children, did you find any barriers, what you said to your clinicians 
I have HCM. I want to screen my kids. I did not find any. I just took it upon myself to do it. I, I'm learning now that I have to deal with some insurance problems. But at the end of the day, the out-of-pocket costs that I might incur that I just learned about is well worth it for me to have that comfort that my kids, as of last year, don't have HCM, don't have any issues, other issues with their heart. And I know that they can do what they want, knock on wood, and come home. Mm-hmm. And to quote Lisa, be a whole family. We want, we want to keep you whole. I think there are some challenges that we have as a country. And our access to health care isn't always the problem. It's the affordability of health care. We need to make sure families can get screened. We need to make sure healthcare remains affordable. And some of these crazy high deductible plans are abolished or these mini med type programs don't allow, are not allowed to come back. We got rid of them and now some of them are sneaking back. They're dangerous because if you're a young person and you get diagnosed with something like hypertrophic cardiomyopathy or a channelopathy or a structural heart disease of any type, you're young. You, if, you, if you have a mini med program that doesn't really allow you to do diagnostics or therapies, it's not really insurance. And we all deserve the right to be able to buy a policy that's going to cover us. And so we want to make sure that good affordable health care stays, stays there and stays available and that pre-existing conditions are never counted against an individual. Because I think of the number somewhere around 75% of us have genetic mutations for something. So we're all broken people. We all just have to make sure that we can get the care that we need. Any parting thoughts about the legislative initiative, the committee, the work, or the call for volunteers? Get involved. You know, and, yeah. it, and it feels so wonderful because every time you hear of a young person going down, as we, you know, we recently heard again in the news with LeBron James's son, you know that it doesn't have to keep happening. That what we're doing is going to prevent, there will, time will come when this won't happen anymore. We will have found all of our children and protected them. I, I look forward to that day. I will say that 28 years ago when I kind of started down this path, it was a path that heartbreak started. And, you know, many of us know that heartbreak of, oh, wait, this is real. HCM is serious and it just killed somebody I love. And I have other friends challenged in managing but i have so many of us that are doing well and thriving because we got to diagnosis and we got to care and that is a gift that we want to make sure everybody has we want to make sure those who need to be diagnosed are and this is it's motivating it's hard work it's not a clear path forward. And yes, there are diverging opinions on this is the right way and that's the right way. And this is, let's all just start with, let's start talking about it. Let's start having the conversations with pediatricians and family practice docs about what our individual family risks are. And let's make sure each family is taken care of as they should be. And this legislation is going to be a big step towards entertaining those conversations. It's going to take a village. And thankfully, we're, we're building one hell of a village. <laughs> okay, we're approaching the, the close of the hour. We've gone over a lot. If you want to volunteer to be a state coordinator, 
state lead. I forget what name we're putting on this. You can email us or go to our website and say, I want in. Um, if you go to the volunteer page and say you want to sign up, you can sign up for legislative um, advocacy and Julie, our volunteer coordinator, will get back in touch with you. I do want to also give another shout out for another project we're working on, not on this committee, but on our health equity committee. I chair the health equity committee, so I'm commandeering this meeting. We are looking to build work groups for different parts of the population. We're building out a pediatric group. We're building out African-American. We're building out Latino, uh, Latinx, Hispanic, out of U.S., and rural and military. We are having a little bit of a lag in our recruitment for the Latino, Hispanic, Latinx committee. So if you are a member of that community or those communities, and you're interested in helping us identify barriers to care for the community, we are looking for working group members. So if you want to help with that and that initiative as well, again, sign up, sign up as a volunteer for health equity as well, and we'll get you involved with that committee work. There's a lot of work to be done out here, and it's not going to go away tomorrow. And we're going to need all of our partners and all of our community members to help lift this. But imagine a world where diagnosis is simple, and you're protected and you're getting the message in the right way at the right time from a member of a community that you trust. That's what we want to build here at the HCMA. Going to be honest, it's been kind of a bumpy week for me because we've had some challenging cases this week. But at the end of the day, I know what we're doing is good work. We're helping and improving lives and we might even be saving a few too but we need more people to help us reach more people. I just wanted to add, for anybody thinking about volunteering, you may have some questions or concerns, please feel free to reach out to us if you need more clarity around anything. We will be happy to answer your questions. Thank you. For- You're very welcome. And I thank you for the comics. I think it's an important one. State champion. Yes. Okay. You can be a state champion. You named it. I'm going to go figure out who you are, and then you're going to volunteer it, unless you already are. Um, so we, we really appreciate you all. Scott, any closing thoughts? Just thank you for what you do. Lisa. And this committee, we, like I said, the most welcoming, the most friendly group of people you will find, and they are there for you, not just for the legislative aspect, just to bounce ideas off of, to ask about you know their experience just please get involved please join the committee please become a state champion because you could save one life that will make everything you do so worth it fantastic all right guys well this is our first stream yard broadcast we've brought in kinds of some comments here this has been fun ross has been dropping in lots of information through different social media platforms we're going to go see if it all worked so we will be back wait when am i back on broad podcasting i gotta look at the calendar next week next week next week's my birthday yay another one that's my seventh bonus birthday and I am, I, I consider this my Sammy Hagar birthday. I will be 55. I can drive 55 quite well, but that's a whole other story. But I also have my birthday fundraiser going. And each year for my birthday, I do a Facebook fundraiser. And I am, thank you. I am, uh, I always look to do something to improve the office. And yours truly has been sitting an awful lot lately. 
So I would like to get a treadmill that can go under my desk so I can walk and work and keep fit and keep Brandy, my donor heart healthy. So um, please donate and whatever additional funds go beyond the purchase of that item will be used to um, provide some nice work environment items for our staff as well. It's my one time a year to say, hey, we're gonna do something for the fun stuff because we work hard and it's nice to do it in a comfortable environment while we're all staying healthy ourselves. I would appreciate if anybody would consider making a donation this year. Again, October 21st, plan on being in New Jersey. We have not had an in-person meeting since before my transplant. The last one we had was me going into transplant. I had a pick line for it. And right after I was ready to be healed from my transplant and get back out there and be with humans, COVID happened. So it seems like forever since I've seen you all and got those wonderful hugs at the annual meeting, um, I am definitely needing to replenish. So I'm looking forward to meeting you all there in person. Our committee members will be there. They will help you with advocacy. You will learn about shared decision-making, myosin inhibitors, genetic therapies, the future of HCM management, all the disease process questions you could possibly want to have answered will be answered. We will also be talking about being an ambassador. We will talk about legislative advocacy. It's gonna be a chock full day. Come out and join us and learn more and meet some big hearted friends. Thanks for joining me on Tales from the Heart, which has pretty much been an advertisement for the services of the HCMA and the committee today, but really, really important. Again, for those joining later, if you were a participant in the Gilead Liberty Study, please contact the HCMA office. The study concluded in October of 2016. There are some signals that there could be a uterine cancer risk for females, and we're just finding out about this now. So please contact us if you were in the Liberty Trial, and we'll make sure that you get in touch with the representatives at Gilead or the site that you participated in. Thank you all so much for your time today, and thanks for all the birthday wishes. Truly appreciate it. Birthdays mean a little bit more after you almost weren't here anymore. You know what I mean, Rosemary, right? Survive a cardiac arrest, survive a transplant, live to tell the tale. All right, guys, you have a great day. Everybody have a great, safe weekend. Don't forget to stay hydrated. And we appreciate you all.